to this month's podcast. I'm Lori Boyer, and I am joined today by the founder and chief executive officer for our Simple Farms podcast. It is Scott Scheimer. Thanks for joining me here today to give us updates on what's going on in the farm. And you also have some new business ventures you're working on. So we'll be talking about that. And of course, how this app can fit into everything you're doing and uh, what farmers and ranchers are doing out there on their land. And we've started off just by talking about now is decision time for the the next batch of crops and trying to figure out what to do for next year. I cannot imagine that is an easy thing to do right now. No, Lori, and always enjoy being on with you. Uh, yeah, right now I, I jumped on with you right after meeting with our seed suppliers. It's already time to make the decision on our corn seed or Milo seed. And there's new genetics out there. There's new applications we can do. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. We haven't even gone out and picked any Milo or corn yet. But we, wow. we need to start making our decisions. And then availability is getting difficult on these products as well. I was just going to ask about that. If you're having uh, a hard time, if you're having a hard time procuring what you want. Yeah. If we do it early here, they're telling us we can get what we want. But as the experience from the suppliers, they just told me, you know, last year, they had a big run on certain varieties that guys really wanted and they couldn't they couldn't get it to them. And I would think that would be the same case this year, especially with growing problems, uh, pollination problems in the corn and everything. And I know I've just been told price points are up three to five percent on some of these commodities, oh on some gosh. of these uh, seeds. So, yeah, here we go again. huh? So that's where the app can come in because you can just plug some of those numbers into your app to figure out what the best scenario is, the best price scenario. And maybe you want to do something different based on what you find. Are you seeing that yourself? Yeah, not necessarily on the seed end, but it does give us more perspective. You know, the program's not going to answer every question, but we do. We'll plug that seed cost in. And as soon as we plug it in, it'll carry forward and show us where our new margin levels are at based on our anticipated yield. And so immediately we start looking at the board, looking at the futures, plugging that number in. Where's our margin levels? You know, 3% increase in our seed cost, obviously it has a greater effect on what our margin will be on the other end. Uh, constantly, it's just a constantly moving pendulum here as to uh, where we need to be pricing ourselves. So can you tell us, have you made any changes then for next year based on what we just talked about and you just uh, with your seed dealer yeah not on the seed end i mean i just okay. ju just finished with him so obviously all of us out there too just had to make our decision on wheat insurance uh, our deadline for this region was october 1st and uh so here we are are we dry are we wet what is our yield potential so we're plugging that in along with the scenarios and making the decision of where we're going to be at on our crop insurance do we go enterprise unit do we go uh, option unit paying three times a premium, plugging that in? And uh, we, we use the program to make those decisions as well. And those are big ones. Those are big needle movers. There's what you're going to pay in your premium and what your coverage is, especially down here in Cheyenne County. <laughs> We're dry. We're always pushing the limits on just barely getting any kind of yields down here. Yeah, for sure. So did you make any insurance adjustments on what you're doing by plugging that info in the app? We did. We did. We had been using option unit, especially as dry as we've been. We're a little better off this year with some profile and our wheat's up. We got good stands. So uh, yeah, we switched from option units to enterprise unit. And uh, the, again, that's a third of the cost in the premium. 
And uh, but we did up our coverage level. So we kind of shifted it a little bit and it definitely improved our margin level. And we went out and marketed about five percent of those bushels just to cover that in on that cost. Well, that is good information, not only just using examples, but, you know, I think you talking about some of the personal things you're looking at helps to make people more aware, including myself, on what you're up against right now. You know, we've got a local customer who's a good friend of mine, and I've been hounding him to sign up on the program. And uh, he just did about three days ago. He's having a dialogue with his banker, and uh, he's wanting to do some farm expansion, and they want to see more solid numbers. So he picked up the Simple Farms program a few years ago, a few days ago, flying with it. He's putting in this year's information. He's already running forecasts for next year and having a dialogue with the with the bank. It's it's not a solid guarantee, but at least he's got perspective and uh, it gives him the upper edge to have that conversation and maybe get that financing to expand his operation. All right. Well, anytime we need to come back to this, we can, but I thought it would be fun. <laughs> and you said we could talk about some of the other things that you're doing to diversify your farming operation. Yes. We have jumped into raising farm-raised shrimp. Uh I like to also involve my team, my personnel that's on my team, uh, Julie that's with us and Jim, and uh, they wanted to jump in and do something off the wall. So we are doing farm-raised shrimp. We built the system over the winter, and uh, I think we're comfortable enough. We're going to have some that we're actually going to market here maybe in the next month. We actually sat down yesterday and said on the calendar, I think the 1st of December, we're going to try and market some of these shrimp. Where do you market shrimp in Colorado? (laughs) <laughs> or sur- you're in surrounding area even. Yeah. So Julie did a lot of legwork. My wife as well with a uh, social media posting and we have a waiting list. I think Julie really? told me we've got 47 pounds spoke for right now. I have no idea how many pounds we're going to end up selling or have available, <laughs> but we do have a waiting list. It's all local. We're just going to let local people come in and uh, that's where we're going to be at. Okay. Farm raised shrimp or grow uh-huh. them here and, uh, Come net them, take them home in the next two days and eat them, have them fresh. I see. Okay. Okay. Well, that would make sense. Eventually, probably restaurants or larger companies like that. Yeah. We've had a dialogue with two of our local restaurants that would like to do something special with the shrimp. And uh, maybe we'll get to the point where we have enough available for them and uh, they can do an evening special with uh, seafood and surf and Uh turf or something with our shrimp. So where do you get the shrimp from? So uh, we have a breeder down in Texas, and uh, so he raises them, and we receive them at 14 days old, and they're about the size of half the size of a mosquito, and they show up in a cooler and a CO2-injected bag, and we introduce them into our system, and off we go. We start growing them. Is it in a saltwater environment? No, these are a freshwater, so they're called Pacific Whites. And we're growing them in a freshwater system. And then it's in a shipping container. So we modified a shipping container. And uh, we've actually put them in an environment. It's called a bioflock system. And uh, so we've created their own ecosystem with bacteria recirculating the same water. Uh, We work with uh, an individual, Tyler Baker, who runs the Ray Fish Hatchery for the state. And uh, he runs his system like that for his hatchlings. And so he's been a big help. And Tyler actually used to work with me on the farm. So kind of a nice connection. And he helped us out a lot with the information on that. Excellent. So how long does it take to get them from, you mentioned that mosquito size, to where they are marketable? So obviously we've had uh, 
But eventually, once we get this figured out, it should take only three months to take them from okay. what's called a PL14 up to what we'd like to market at that 20 to 25 count, which would be 20 to 25 of them make a pound. When you sell them, will they all be sold live? I know you said netted them, but what if somebody wants them not live so they can? Yeah, uh, we're talking about that. For now, we're going to just do them live. But, you know, I, like any business, as we grow, as as the demands from the customers come, we'll we'll do different levels of processing and handling. But then we fall into a lot of regulations that mm-hmm. we will follow. So right now we're just moving them as a livestock, marketed them as livestock. So you come, we net them, weigh them, and you walk out the door with a live shrimp. And then we'll coach you on how to uh, process them from that point and have them. But I see the approach you're taking to is you're getting actually fresh seafood. Which is hard to find being in Colorado in the middle of the United States. Uh, Actually, in the United States itself, unless you go to the coast and get them right there at the Uh pier, any seafood actually has to be flash froze before the consumer can receive it. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And what do you feed them? Uh, So shrimp food. So it looks like fish food. Uh, And uh, we grind it up and then just scatter it in the tank like you would your fish food. But with this bioflock system... Uh, as we grow the bacteria, which will take a while to grow, it'll take about a year for the bacteria to get to its maximized level. Ninety uh, percent of their food will come from that bacterial ecosystem that we're growing, and then only ten percent will just be this shrimp food. You make it sound so easy. Oh no, in- it's not. It was very <laughs> complex, and the system's very complex. But, uh, what a learning! What a learning curve! And then, like you said, to retrofit a shipping container. That probably isn't very common either. No, we uh, we kind of use the resources we had. We uh, we've been working with Nutrien. They got their footprint and shine wells through our facility, and uh, they got us brand new uh, chemical totes straight from the manufacturer. And we soaked them for a couple months, cleaned okay. them, even though they were brand new. So those are our tanks. It's just ten of the uh, two hundred and fifty gallon uh, chemical totes. And we made aquariums out of every one of them and then just an aeration system and uh, did all sorts of plumbing and filtration with just what we had and insulated the shipping container and cut a hole in the side and put a door in. <laughs> wow. Do you have to keep them at a certain temperature, water temperature? We do. 83 degrees is the optimal. So each tank has its own tank heater. And then the container itself also has an HVAC system on it. Wow. Okay. So then after you sell your first batch, do you have to do anything in between or can you just resupply or repopulate, I should say? Correct. What we're talking about is we're going to give ourselves some leeway. We're just learning here, but about 30 days before we market our first batch, we're going to get the next one in and we have a nursery tank. So that's where they start. And then after about 30 to 60 days, we transfer them into their grow tanks. Wow. Fascinating. Very fascinating. What made you interested in that. I know you said you and your team wanted to do something different, but how did you even stumble upon this particular idea? Okay. So uh, one of my team members is Jim Lingle, who helps me sells with the app. And uh, Jim travels all over Eastern Colorado and does his Cajun boils. And I'm Uh-oh. sure a lot of your listeners have done those boils with Jim. And uh, of course, shrimp are in his mix. And Jim and I were coming home from a trade show for Simple Farms, just chatting away. And uh, Jim, I threw it at him. What would you like to do off the wall? What have you ever thought of? And he brought up, I've always wanted to grow shrimp. I said, let's do it. And so we researched for about a year and a half on the system designs, built our own system and 
Jim researched wow. on how to, where to get them from and who to get them from. And Julie's done all our promotional and all our research as well. And so here we are. <laughs> wow. Just so interesting. So interesting. Such a it great source of protein. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Uh, we also sell product for a company called Elevate Ag, which is worm castings and uh, a lot of microbial and biology that we're putting back in the soil. And uh, Armin is his name. He just stopped by yesterday and we showed him the shrimp system. He's taking samples of our disposed cleanings out of the tanks. And uh-huh. uh, oh, he yeah. thinks we ought to be throwing this out in the field. <laughs> That's so a just... great point. Yeah. 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 So who knows where we'll go with this? How often do you have to clean the tanks? So with the cleaning system, the, we have one separator that takes the solids out and we drain okay. that once a day. And so those are the solids oh. that we're talking about using. And uh, we're actually looking at doing another project. We're going to do a pick your own orchard. So okay. we'll probably use that in our orchard area. That's pretty cool. That's that, kind of that whole sustainability piece, right? The, yep. You could just yep. use all that. Wow. That's cool. So pick your own orchard. What do you envision in that so far? Well, berry bushes and fruit trees that'll fit this region. And the region we're looking at picking all those plants out of is actually stuff that's survivable in South Dakota. So we want to make sure that we cover an area way outside of our region. And there's a lot of plants. So we're just researching that right now. Yeah. All right. And then up next is after that is a winery. So winery. Yeah. yeah. Why not? And uh, maybe we can spin off into Italy and go back to Florence. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Well, on your, I know on the app, I've asked you this before, and I know you said you're working on putting livestock into it beyond just the the crops. So if you do, you'll have probably a special place for shrimp. Absolutely. Really, the way the program's formatted, it, it can fit any avenue of any aspect of industry. It's just a margin analysis program for you to track whatever you might be doing and figure out your break even. We've just formulated everything at this point for agriculture, for grain production. But, uh, oh yeah, the sky's the limit on simple farms, what we could do with it from that point. The last couple of times we've talked to, one of the things you've been really working on is trying to get users to take the time to implement, put the information in, to plug the information in. It sounds like that was the biggest challenge. Has that uh, gotten any better? Are people starting to catch on the importance of doing that? And it just takes a few minutes to do it? Exactly. I th- that's exactly where we're at. Even my help on the farm, we've got some new employees and initially trying to get them to get all that done. And now it's just become automatic. And yeah. so we coach that with everybody that picks up the program. And Julie does a phenomenal job once a month following up. Hey, anything you need from us. And also with the development team, we're really trying to make the user interface of the program simpler and simpler. And we're constantly doing that right now. The update we just looked at here a few weeks ago is uh, we're integrating Google Earth into the program. And I might have mentioned that the last time. And the visual aids, instead of looking at icons to represent your fields, we're actually going to have Google Earth where you'll look and see your fields specifically on the maps and zoom in on that. So anything to simplify the process, we're constantly working on. Okay. Scott, what else would you like to mention here today? Oh, gosh, we covered the gamut. I guess we're just getting ready to go into fall harvest, excited to be able to start plugging the yields in, because obviously that's the final result for your analysis, and it's the true numbers. And uh, looking forward to seeing what our crops are actually going to yield and plugging those in and seeing where we're at. 
I do have a question on the app then. Will it automatically wrap up the year for you and start a new year? Or do you start a new year on your own? Or how does that look? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's on your own. So we have customers, you run an operation and it's harvest. And uh, we do this like after wheat harvest as a sprayer, sometimes we'll chase the combines in the same field. And that spraying operation, once you submit it, will show up on that wheat crop analysis, but you can check mark that spraying operation out and excuse me, move it over to, let's say that field's going to go to corn and that'll be the first in the corn analysis. So it's up to you as to when your discretion of where you want to move that operation to. So the program doesn't just automatically do that. Scott, I know that you have a demo and have information on your website, which is? Simplefarms.ag. Scott Scheimer is the founder and CEO of the Simple Farms LLC app. Joining me here today on the Simple Farms podcast, I'm your host, Lori Boyer.